Well, good morning, everyone. Um, last week we mentioned that what would be a nice thing is that if everybody in your small group would exchange email addresses and phone numbers and that sort of thing. And so that's what we did in our small group. And uh, we had some fun with that this past week. I'll tell you more about that in just a few moments. But one of the emails that was circulated amongst our small group uh, was one I want to share with you right now because it really gives you a, a clear picture to the power of a small group and the, the way that a person's heart is touched when they take that risk, take that step of entering into something brand new. And can I say this to you? For some of you, you've never been to a small group before, and it was really, you were scared. You, were, you had butterflies when you came to the door, and you were afraid to walk through that door, but you did it, and you were blessed because of it. You know, those of us who've been in the church for years and those of us who are used to it, we sometimes forget that for new people, some of the things that we do are just a little bit different, maybe things that they've never experienced before and they don't know what to expect. For instance, this morning, we're going to be having communion together, and uh, I'll be talking to you more about that in, in a while, but I just want to say this, you take that risk of stepping out and doing something that's maybe unfamiliar, maybe a little bit uncomfortable, and I can guarantee that when it comes to the things of God, you'll always be blessed by it. You'll always be encouraged. Listen to this email. I hope I found everyone cozy at home tonight in this lovely weather. And when this was written, it wasn't plus two or one degree. It was minus 50. How many remember those days? And this person goes on to say this. Now, remember, this is an email that's gone to, it's a group email. It's gone to everybody in our small group. This is the first small group that I have ever been open to accept the invite to. Thanks, Pastor Allen, for extending the invitation. And to be honest, I sometimes feel like a fish out of water. I want to express my gratitude for your patience, understanding, openness, kindness, and most of all, the incredible warm feelings I've felt since meeting you all. I look forward to learning more, sharing more, and building relationships with you all. Now, when I received that, I got to tell you, my heart was just so full of, of gladness and joy because this person really took a massive risk, really stepped outside of their comfort zone. They did something that they wouldn't normally do. They did something that they're not used to doing. They, they, they came and they became vulnerable. And because of it, they've been blessed. That's the power of a small group. When you get connected with other people who are going in the same direction as you, that want to do the same sort of things that you're doing. Now, our small group comes to an end. Tonight's our, our last small group meeting. And then there's a break before we meet again uh, in April. So, so between terms, uh, we, we, we thought, you know, we've got to get together again. We don't want to be apart for so long. And so before, I think, I think we just finished praying at our last meeting, and Dennis Prawn got on the phone with Academy Bowling Alley and booked three lanes so that we could go bowling um, on the, 20, is it the 23rd of, of March. Now, for, for many people, it will be uh, definitely um, be, be fun, but I haven't bowled for many years, so there's also that entertainment value for our small group. <laughs> You want to see something funny? Come watch me bowl. That's what small groups is about, about people becoming vulnerable, people coming together, 
connecting as friends. That's what small groups is about. So many people try to reduce it to some kind of a, a very spiritual sort of event. And yes, it is spiritual. But more than that, it's about building relationship. It's about becoming friends. It's about learning to enjoy each other. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, those of us who are going to heaven will be spending all of eternity together forever and ever. So if you, don't, if you can't like each other now, if you can't get used to it now, you're going to have a hard time when you get to heaven. And knowing God and his sense of humor, he'll probably put you next door to the one that really irritates you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So after a billion years of living next door to each other, you might actually start liking each other, I hope. So I want to talk to you this morning about, about the church and the small group's connection to the church, a small group's relationship to the church. So just to, just to clarify, when we talk about the church, we're talking about the, the whole body. We talk about the small, church, uh, small group, we're talking about small groups of people that meet together, and then when they come together, when those small groups come together, we have the larger church. That's what we're talking about. So I need to bring some clarity, because some people have some, uh, some strange ideas of what the church really is. They really don't know. And maybe you grew up with uh, some strange ideas about what the church is, but before we go any further, I want you to know this. This is, uh, this is your church. It's not my church, it's your church. It's not a church, uh, some people think the church belongs to a denomination or that it's an organization or that it's an institution, but here's what you need to know. The church is an organism. It's alive. It's, Jesus calls it a body. And Jesus invites us to fall in love with his church. I don't know if you know it or not, but the Bible is very clear that the church is, in fact, his bride. And that someday, when we get to heaven, I know that's a little bit strange, I'll, I'll explain it in a moment. But someday, when we go to heaven, there's going to be a great big celebration in heaven. It's going to be the biggest celebration ever known to mankind. In Revelation 19.9, it says, The angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So Jesus uses the metaphor of marriage to explain the relationship that he has to the church. He's the bridegroom, the church is his bride, and he loves this church. And someday when we get together in heaven, we're going to have a great big feast celebrating the relationship that Christ has with us, with his church. Jesus calls us to love his church the way that he loves the church. And I'm going to say this, if you don't understand, if you don't understand what the church is and who the church is, then there's a good chance that you may maybe have feelings of resentment, maybe feelings of bitterness or anger, or maybe you, you despise the church. Many people do. And there's good reasons for many people's uh, despising the church, but I want us to look today at how beautiful the church is, how wonderful it is. We'll see that in just a moment. Look at what it says here in Ephesians 5.25. Jesus explains to us how much Christ loves the church. He says, Husbands, this means that, that you should love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He gave up his life for the church. That, my friends, is the picture that you and I need to have of Christ's love for this church. He was willing to die for it. What does that mean? Well, it means very simply that because he loves us, he died on the cross to take away our sins. 
And this morning, we're going to be celebrating communion. You'll see that some tables are set up here. And when we take that communion, what we're doing is we're celebrating what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He died for us to take away our sins. But for a lot of people, that's as far as it goes. They don't understand that there's another step to this. When you take communion, what you're doing is you're celebrating not only the fact that Jesus died for you, that he shed his blood for you, that his body was broken for you, but we celebrate the fact that you, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you become part of his family. So when we take communion together this morning, what we're doing is we're celebrating the family of God. We're celebrating this family that you and I belong to. When you and I take communion together, we're rejoicing, we're celebrating, we're giving God thanks for this church, this body called Cross Church. Look at this uh, scripture verse in Ephesians 4, 16. And here's what the Apostle Paul says to the believers in the city of Ephesus. He says, make the whole body fit together perfectly. Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Right off the bat, we need to understand that this is his body, and everybody here is fitted into this body because of the supernatural work of God. Really, folks, it is a miracle. When I look out across this group today, I see people from different countries, different lands. You've come here uh, your, your faith in Christ has brought you here. The common denominator is Jesus Christ. So what happens is that God very, mis- very mysteriously and very supernaturally takes you and puts you into the body and makes you fit so that you belong. It's a, it's a miracle. We'll talk about more of that in just a moment. So this morning what we need to do is we need to understand what the church is. And then we need to understand what our role in the church is. So let me just begin by saying this. For those of you who think that the church is just an organization that's just out to get your money, there's there's just nothing in the scripture to support that notion, that idea. The reason you think that is because of maybe wrong messages you've seen on television. You've seen television preachers, pastors begging for money. And so that's your, that's your idea. Maybe you grew up in a church where the only thing that you did is you came and you, you, know, you, went, through the, you went through the rituals. There's the bells and the, the smells and the whistles and all the rest of it. And that's, that's your church. For some of you, you think maybe the Pastor Allen and the elders own this church. That this is our church. And I know that there are some churches where, where a pastor will own it. I heard of a uh, church recently in Florida that the pastor was leaving the church. And what the congregation didn't know is that when they were contributing to that church, they were actually paying off a mortgage that was in the pastor's name. And so when the pastor left the church, he made the, the congregation buy it off of him. It's shocking. I can guarantee you that that will not happen here. If I ever go, God forbid, it, it's yours. It's all yours. But this is why for so many people they got a wrong understanding, a wrong idea of what church is. When you join a church, when you become part of a church, I'm going to tell you, something supernatural begins to happen. The Bible says here that God fits you into the body. He helps you find your place. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And then something else begins to happen. The Holy Spirit begins to move. And he begins to put in your heart a love, a love for that church. Now, I'm going to share with you my experience when I first went to my very first church after being in Bible school. 
Um, my father-in-law is here today, and he's the one that invited me to come and intern at his church uh, back in 1982. Um, I was only four years old then. <laughs> it was a long time ago. But here we are. I'm, I'm invited to be the youth pastor uh, to, as an intern. And I'm going to tell you something very special happened to me. When I arrived at that church, when I walked through the front doors, the Holy Spirit moved in my heart and did something very special for me. And I noticed it because of this. I came from a big church. I came from Calvary Temple. And I think at the time that I left Calvary Temple, it was about 2,500 people or more. And someone said to me, how on earth are you ever going to go from that huge church to a church that's much smaller? I said, I don't know. But I went. And I began, the minute I walked in there, I, I, I began to love this place. I loved the people there. I had an instant rapport, instant love for this congregation. And it's not just because my future wife was there. That wasn't the only reason I loved that place. But because of the relationship that I established with the people. Now, I was thinking about this. Why is it that I felt such an instant rapport and an instant love for that church? And it dawned on me. The reason for my great love for that, for that little church compared to the church I came from is that I had come with the attitude to serve. I'd come there to serve that church. I didn't come to that church to see what I could get or to be served. I came to serve. I came to give my life. And I'm going to tell you, after interning there for the summer months, I went back to Bible college, and in, I think it was in September, October, I got a phone call from Pastor John Housen, and he said to me, Alan Dunkoff, the board has met, and we would like to invite you to come back to Charleswood Gospel Temple to be the youth pastor when you graduate. I can still remember coming, getting off the phone and coming out of one of the teacher's office, and I was running down the halls, and I was jumping in the air, clicking my heels, well, something like that. And uh, the, the, the most serious Bible college teacher of all was walking down. He was the one that never smiled. Um, and he was the one that, that was, you know, the, the stiff upper lip, that kind of thing. And he says, Duncalf, what are you doing? That's no way to walk down the halls. And I said, you don't understand. I've just been invited to go back to Charleswood Temple to be the youth pastor. And for the first time, I think maybe the only time, I saw a massive grin come onto his face. Because he understood. He understood the relationship that was established between me and the congregation that I was going to minister to. Folks, this is what he was training these students to do, to go and serve. I served there for another three and a half years. And I'm going to say this. Those were what I would call my golden years of ministry. They were the best years, and uh, we've got some of the old Charleswood Temple folks here, a few of them. I call you old, but you know what I mean. I'm, I'm old, too. So Doris and Dennis, you remember those years. Dennis, in fact, was involved in our youth group back then. It was fantastic. The golden years. And we worked. I, I, I say we. I made everybody work with me. We worked long hours to serve and to build a youth group and to have fun, and it was exciting. My golden years. Now... Some of you might wonder, well, okay, so if those were your golden years, what are these years? Here at Western Gospel, Western Gospel Church, now at Cross Church, what are, what are these years? I would say these are my platinum years. I got some platinum growing out of the side here. These are my platinum years. These are the best years ever. What makes a difference? What makes a person love the church? What makes a person understand what the church is really all about? I'm going to tell you. 
It's a willingness to serve. It's a willingness to show up and say, what can I do to bless the church? Because remember, it's not an organization. It's not something owned by the PAOC or by a denomination. This is a body. It's alive. It's real. It functions as a body, serving and being Christ's hands and feet in this dark and broken and hurting world. That's our job. And when a church ceases to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in a broken and dark and hurting world, folks, that's the day that church ceases to have a reason to exist. So you and I need to understand that. We need to get that. We need to understand that the church is all about serving and making a difference in the lives of other people. We only have two ordinances in our church. If you've come from a Roman Catholic background, I think there's seven ordinances. We, we, only, we only recognize two ordinances. That is, two practices that we are called to do by Jesus Christ. The first is baptism. And the baptismal tank, for those of you who don't know, is actually under the drum kit. It's in the floor. And the other ordinance is the ordinance of, of communion. Now, both of these ordinances, both baptism and taking communion, reflect and celebrate Jesus Christ's death and his resurrection. A lot of us know that. A lot of us understand that. But what a lot of us don't understand is that there's a second aspect to baptism and communion. And that's a celebration of your entry into and your belonging to this church. This is why we have communion. This is why we do baptism, to celebrate the fact that you belong. Now, for many people, you, you know, you maybe never have belonged, or for many people, you know, you've, you, you show up, you come to church, whatever, but you don't really see yourself as belonging. Here's what God wants for you. Here's what God wants you to experience. He wants you to experience the joy of belonging, of being part of the family. We're family here. That's who we are. And I know that for the most part, I could call just about anybody in my family here and say, hey, I need help. Can you help me? And I know that absolutely anybody I would call would say, yes, I'll be there to help you. Folks, that's miraculous. In a day and an age that is so self-centered and selfish, to have a group of people that says, hey, I'm there for you. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? Last week at our small group, the, uh, one of the people that normally is there couldn't come. And so we sent a text and said, are you okay? And in fact, what we did is we had everybody, I got everybody to get their cell phones out. And there's now that we have your phone number. And everybody in the small group, I don't know, is there 10 or 14 or 15 of us sending texts to this person saying, hey, we miss you. We hope you're okay. Is everything okay? We thought maybe we might blow her phone up like that. But anyway, so the, the messages all got through. And here's the text that she sent back. Uh, she was having, struggling with a family mat, member, a matter, and she says this, I love all you guys so much. Please say thanks to everyone for the messages. I would love, uh, I, I would have not made it this far without my small group. Please pray for me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That may not have sounded that significant to you, but listen to the wording. She says, I would, uh, I would have not made it this far without my small group recognizing that she belongs, recognizing that this is a small group that's there for her. 
That thrilled my heart because that's what the church is all about. We're a church that's there for you. And folks, you are supposed to be there for your church. We're a family. We're a body that functions together as a team. The Apostle Paul says that when we function like that, here's what happens. It says that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here's the thing. If you're not experiencing that healthy, growing experience in church where it's full of love, here's here's your temptation. Your temptation is going to be to blame everybody else. But this is the thing about Jesus Christ and his teaching. He always calls us to do the other thing. The logical explanation is it must be everybody else's fault. But God tells us it's the reverse. It's, the question is, what are you doing? How are you serving? What are you doing to fit perfectly into this church? Jesus, or the Apostle Paul says, as each part does his own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy. We understand that the church is a body. And then we understand also then that everybody in the body has a role to play. I love the way the message uh, translates Romans 12, verse 5. Listen to this. Each of us finds our meaning and function. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of Christ's body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Great word picture, isn't it? So you cut the finger off, what happens to that finger, Matt? It dies. It's not going to live. You cut off the toe, what's going to happen? It's not going to live. You need to be connected to the body. You need to find your place in the body. You need to be prepared to serve. You need to be prepared to do whatever it is that God has called you to do. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 verse 7, let's look at that verse. It says, however, God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Everybody here who says, this is my church and I'm part of this body, every one of you has a special gift that God wants you to use. And in some cases, it's multiple gifts that God has given you. Why does God give you these gifts, these talents, this wisdom, this skill? He gives it so that you can serve your church, so that your church can be strong and can be healthy, so that it can grow so you can be full of love. Gloria and I will be married 25 years, August 26th of this year. 25 years. And I think back over the years to when I first married her. I thought when I first married her that I really loved her. I thought that nobody on the face of the earth could love anybody as much as I love this girl that I was going to marry. 25 years later, I look back and I think to myself, what was that? I did love her, but, but what was it? Because the love I feel for my wife now nowhere compares to the love that I felt back then. And if you ask Gloria, she'll say the same thing. And you won't even have to twist her arm or anything to say the right thing. She'll, she'll tell you the same thing. What's the secret? Well, we discussed this. And we've come to the conclusion that there's a very simple secret to the, the deep and great love and relationship that we have. There's a, there's a secret. There's a reason why we are closer now than we've ever been in our life. It's because when we, when we first got married, we were determined to serve each other. 
In fact, we try to outdo each other in serving one another. It's, it's almost like a competition to see who could serve more. And I, think, I, I always think Gloria is winning on this one. I think she's doing a better job than I am at this. But I have a feeling if you asked her, she would say it's the other way around. Right? <laughs> I hope. We devoted our, our, we de- devoted our lives to each other to serve one another. Now, listen, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The secret to a strong relationship, the secret to a strong friendship, the secret to a strong business, the secret to, to any kind of a, a great relationship is this, is that you learn how to serve each other. Serving one another is what Jesus is all about. Isn't that what Jesus said? I didn't come to serve, but I came to, to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Now, I know for some of us, this is really hard to accept. In fact, some of us, we, you, know, we, if, you know, if I interviewed you privately, you would say, you know what, Pastor Allen, I would love to serve my spouse, but you don't know my spouse. My spouse is the most self-centered so-and-so you've ever met. And then if I, took, if I went and talked to the other spouse, he or she would probably say the same thing. So here's what's got to happen. I know this is hard to accept. This is hard to believe. But Jesus calls us to follow in his steps, to follow his example, to do what he does. And Jesus says, just serve one another. Don't look to be served, just serve. You say, well, I'll serve if she'll start serving me first. If she'll take the first move, then I'll follow. No, it doesn't work that way. So if you want to know the order of things, men... You're the one that's got to, you've got to start this thing in your marriage and in your family. You've got to start it. You've got to serve your kids. You've got to serve your wife. Everybody in your life's got to come first. You've got to come second. Now, I'm going to tell you, that goes against what our culture says. Our culture tells us we've got to look out for ourselves. We look out for number one. But Jesus says this. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You've got to put other people first. You've got to sign up to serve. And that really is what church is all about, because a lot of us don't understand that. We think that the church is a, some kind of a musty old organization that just makes demands and asks for money and tells people what to do. That's not it at all. The body of Christ is a place where you and I show up to serve and to give. Not to get, but to help. Now, I know that as I'm speaking, some of you have been Christians for many, many years, and you say, Pastor Alan, don't you have anything new to say? You've been saying this, you've said this so many ways and so many times, Give us something new. Well, there's a pastor in Brazil. Preaches in the morning several times. And then in the afternoon, he has what they call a Sunday school. They teach the kids, and there's a class for the adults. And then they go home, and they come back at night, And they have yet another service where he preaches. And then a few days later, they meet again on a Wednesday for another Bible study. This pastor had been doing this for a number of years. And one day, looking in the mirror, tired, exhausted, having spent hours and hours preparing another message, he just says, I'm preaching my guts out, but nothing's happening. So that Sunday, you know what he did? He showed up looked at all the congregation and he said you've heard too many sermons and then he just sat down 
And he began to look at everybody. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? And he's looking at everybody, eyeball to eyeball. One of the elders thinks he's having a nervous breakdown. He tiptoes up to the platform, sits down by the pastor, and, and takes him by the hand. Pastor, are you okay? Whispers in his ear, you're going to make it? Are you, what's going on? And the pastor says, I'm tired. I'm tired of preaching. And the elder says, well, do you, want me to pre- do you want me to fill in? Do you want me to do something? The pastor says, no, I don't want you to do anything. We're just going to sit here for a few minutes. He said, these people have heard too many sermons. I'm waiting for them to do something. The elder sits there and soaks it in for a few moments, and then finally he realizes that the Spirit of God is doing something very special in this church in Brazil. An elder stands up and says, says to the congregation, the pastor doesn't want to preach any more sermons. The pastor's waiting for us to get busy doing the things he's already taught us. You know what happened? A revival broke out in that church. As people began to gather into little groups and they began to discuss the things that the pastor had been teaching them and they discussed the things that they were not doing. The pastor stood up the next Sunday and said, you're hearing too many sermons. It's time for you to start putting into the practice, into practice the things that you've heard. This pastor reports that his church grew. Grew tremendously. Because the people understood the importance of putting into practice the things that they've heard. So I'm sharing with you things that you know. You've heard about the church and you've heard about the importance of serving. But here's what I'm saying to you now. Without actually sitting on the couch and not preaching anymore. I'm going to finish this off. Don't panic. It's time for us to start doing what we hear and not just be hearers of the word. That's that's the problem with so many of us as believers, isn't it? We are hearers of the word, but we're not doers. And so what I'm asking you today to do is to think of a way that you and your small group can serve this church, can bless this church, can do something special for this church called Cross Church. Remember, this is not just my church, it's our church. In fact, I'd like you to say right now to the person beside you, this is your church. Go ahead, tell tell them that. This is your church. Yeah. What did they say? No, it's not. I'm just visiting. Did they say that? (laughs) This is your church. Okay, so it's, it's a short sentence, folks. What you and I need to do is we need to think of ways that we can bless this church. We've got to think of ways, if we could go back to that passage of Scripture, we've got to go back and, and think of the gift that God has given us. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Listen to this in Philippians 2.2. 2. It says, agree with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. What can you do as a small group for this church? I made a list of a few things that you might be able to do. And some of them are, are very easy to do. It's, it's sort of an in, instantaneous response to what I've been saying to you this morning. Maybe the first thing that needs to happen is that you need to develop a love for your church. 
the kind of love that Christ has for this church. Christ loves this church. It's precious. It's special to him. It's so special that he died for this church. And Jesus wants you to speak well of your church. So here's what I'm suggesting. And maybe you check your, your attitude to see if you have a good attitude concerning your church. And if it's not what it needs to be, then maybe you need to just ask God to forgive you for having a bad attitude. And thank him. Thank him for this church. Thank him for this body, this family that you belong to. And ask God to give you an attitude of a servant, prepared to do whatever you can to bless this church. Maybe one of, uh, maybe your small group could volunteer to help Dennis Barrett. He was always calling these work bees, asking people to come and work here at the building. This is the house that houses the church. Some people think the building is the church. The building is not the church. The people are the church. Everybody understands that. This is, this, this is the house that this church, this body meets in. And when we have guests come through our front doors, we want them to say, oh, this is a nice house that this church lives in. We don't want them to walk through the doors and say, what a dump. We want them to come and say, this is a warm and friendly place. Why, they even have a cup of coffee. That's what this is. It's a house. It's a house for this church to meet in. So maybe you could sign up and say, hey, hey Dennis Barrett, we would be glad to come and maybe wash walls or scrub the floor. We need a coat of wax on that room, in that, on the floor in that room, if anybody can do that. Maybe your small group could do that. There's painting that needs to be done. There's construction that needs to be There's all kinds of things that need to be done. The parking lot needs to be painted after the snow's gone. <laughs> it needs to be cleaned up. There's fences, a fence that needs to be But maybe your small group has got what it takes to do the job. You know, in our, in our culture, we just want to throw money at all the problems and all the difficulties. But I'm going to tell you, that is not, that is not the New Testament model. Our job is to show up to serve. Maybe your small group could say some Sunday morning, hey, let us take care of the ushering and the greeting and helping people find a place to park and opening the doors. And let us take care of security. Our small group will take care of the whole thing. We'd be, we'd be thrilled if you did that. Maybe your small group has got some talented singers. And that's your special gift that, that we're talking about. As each part does its own special work. Maybe, you're, maybe your small group can sing. We'd love to have you come and sing some Sunday morning. But can I just caution? Make sure it's your, it's your special gift. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be replaying uh, video clips like American Idol does. <laughs> Those who can't sing. But you get the drift. It's your special gift. Maybe there's a special project around here that needs to be done. It takes a certain amount of money. We need to buy something or whatever. I don't know. You have to ask Chris and Andrew. But maybe your small group would say, hey, you know, we can raise money for that. It's only 500 bucks. It's only 1,000 bucks, whatever. That's, that's something your small group could do to bless your church. You could pray for your church. As a small group, you could make sure that that's at the top of your list. I was so, so shocked and so saddened to read about Dr. Yungi Cho. Uh, I first heard about him when I entered the ministry. I was, uh, I was well, just in my early 20s. And he had a church at that time, I think, was 500,000 people. And he's written a number of books. And he's 
preached all over the place. He's well-known. In fact, he's really probably the biggest advocate for small groups. That's how he, he says he built his church. Today, that church has got a million people. I, I can't get my brain around a church that I mean, that would be like all of Winnipeg and all the surrounding areas are, are his church. But we got sad news. We got sad news that he was arrested for embezzling. Now, I know that a number of the, the South Koreans that I've spoken to about this have said it's probably his son and that he's taken the hit for his son. But he's 79 years old. He's come to the end of his ministry, and that's how it ends, by going to jail for three years. Now, you know, we, some of us will say, oh, yeah, well, there you go. Just go you know, that's church for you. That's church for you. <laughs> don't panic. Don't worry. Just, that's, that's everybody over here, look at me. Don't look at me. Don't embarrass. <laughs> that's an amazing ring. Okay, we're, we're, don't, okay, look over me. Look at me. Don't look there. Okay. We're a loving church. We don't want anybody to feel shy or embarrassed. Here's this poor man. 79 years old, going to jail for three years. Don't you think he needs our love and prayers? We're, you know, sometimes we're so hypocritical, we're so quick to throw stones. We fail to recognize that our brothers and sisters who fail are in, in as much need of God's grace as we are. Would you agree with that? I need God's grace. Jeremy, you do. I know you do. Your wife told me. <laughs> we need God's grace. There's nobody here today that could say, I am perfect. The only one that would say that would be somebody who's probably mentally ill. We're not perfect. We're whole. We're, we're, we're whole because of Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? Jesus Christ is the only one that's righteous and perfect. And when we come to Christ as Christians, as believers, we are putting our faith in his righteousness, not on our own. That's the beauty and the wonder and the mystery of the body of Christ, is that we are a collection of people who are very imperfect, who put our faith in Jesus, who is perfect. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, who is perfect, when, when God looks at you, do you know what God sees? He sees not your failings and your weaknesses and your sin. You know what he sees? He sees Jesus. He sees the perfection of Christ. That, my friends, is the gospel. That's the good news. And we are a collection of very imperfect people who need the work of Christ in our hearts. Anybody say amen to that this morning? That's who we are. And that's what this communion is about. It's a celebration of what Jesus Christ has done for us. What can your small group do to bless your church? What can your small group do to be a blessing to cross church? Jesus loves this church so much that he died for it. What are you going to do for your church? If you're in a small group, you're going to be discussing this question. I want you to really think deeply about what you can do to bless your church. Because in doing so, we bless the very heart 
of the bridegroom himself, Jesus Christ. We're going to go into communion right now. I'm going to ask you right now, just where you are, just stay put, don't move. Take a few moments to pray. We're going to show a little video clip. But I want you to examine your heart this morning. I want you to see if, in fact, there's anything in your life that needs to be confessed to God. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you very simply. Communion is for sinners. It's for people who fall short and make mistakes and mess up over and over again. It's not for perfect people. Okay, so just so you know that, because I've seen, I see people say, I can't take communion, I'm not good enough, I'm not perfect enough, I made too many mistakes. Look, that's not what, communion is not for perfect people. Communion is for people who put their faith in the one who is perfect. Now, the only time the Bible says not to take communion is if, first of all, if we're not, if we're not believers in Jesus Christ yet, which is fine, it's no problem. If you're visiting, just stay put, don't, don't move, stay where you are, don't panic. The other thing, other reason we don't take communion is if we are angry at somebody, if we're holding bitterness in our heart, if there's some broken relationship that we need to let go of, we need to go to, before God and say, God, forgive me for holding a grudge. I just want to let this go right now. Forgive me even as I forgive those who have hurt me, those who have offended me. If you can pray that prayer and say, God, cleanse my heart of all the anger and all the bitterness, let your love flow through me, then this is for you this morning. And as we, as we come together, I'm going to ask you to take the emblems and hold on to them. There's going to be a little cup of, of, of juice, which represents the blood of Christ, and a little piece of bread, which represents the body of Christ. Christ shed his blood for us. His body was broken for us. And we celebrate that, thinking of how God has saved us. And because we've been saved, we're all part of the same family. You know, I, I, I got to just say this one more thing. I look out here, I know there's some folks that can hardly speak English this morning, but there's a deeper language we speak, and it's the language of the heart, the language of a heart that's been transformed by Jesus Christ. The language is called love. This, my friends, is what the body of Christ is about. So take a moment right now just to examine your hearts, and then in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come and receive the communion. And you're going to hang on to it, and we're going to take it all together. God bless you.